shot first. Come on, grab your friends. We're going to talk about Star Wars and stuff with Connor Olet and Andrew Roman. The fun will never end. Greeter shot first. So, Connor, Brian. What's going on, man? Uh, I want to start us off a little different, perhaps, than we normally do. Okay. I'm only slightly scared. Yeah. It's nothing bad. So obviously, if you're listening to this episode kind of at release, which will be Thursday the 17th, I believe. Of seven. Oh, yes. I, well, close enough. That sounds about right. Yeah. So that'll be one week post the Disney Investor Day where literally the Star Wars universe changed. It right? exploded outwards. Yes. It created a whole. It was the Big Bang of Star Wars news, if Absolutely. you will. It really yes. was. So obviously we're going to spend a lot of time on that someday. Yes. <laughs> In the not too distant future. Yeah, no, it should be, you know, handful of weeks at most before yes. we get into that. But I don't want to waste too much time on it right now. This is we're doing our Mando reviews. Yeah, we want to stick we want to stick with uh what we're 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 starting off strong with, and I think this is the most prominent thing now. Obviously, this news is very big, but we want to take our time to make sure we have all of our thoughts collected, uh, make sure we have all the information that we, you know, have learned. Because there's also a lot of misinformation out there, too. For sure. Like, it's funny to think about it because, like, now you're thinking about all those we got this covered articles, clickbait <laughs> yeah. articles about, like, everybody getting their own series. Yeah. And now it seems like it's come true. Some of those actually did happen. And that's why that's why we need to take our time and make <laughs> sure we didn't, like, you know we didn't get fooled and that's you know? why a site like we got this covered is so malicious because it's like they get you know they got two out of the seven shows or projects that were announced correct and they're like look we did a great job validation yeah that's all um, it takes and it's like well anybody could have guessed they were interested in a lando series or... of course yeah ahsoka all this stuff exactly but we will we will get into it i mean but like Andrew, what are you most excited for? Like, what was your biggest announcement? Like, we want to give, like, a small preview towards this. Yeah, so my biggest announcement, my biggest takeaway that I'm most excited about is probably Rogue Squadron. Oh, yeah. It'll be the first new film. Uh, They said it's slated currently for, like, a 2023 release. Makes Uh, sense. And Patty Jenkins doing the directing. That's awesome. Uh, Wonder Woman alum director. I think she directed both of them, right? Yeah, she did both. That's awesome. Um, uh, But so how about you, Connor? What's... I'm right up there with Rogue One or Rogue uh, Squadron as well. I keep wanting to say Rogue Nation. That's way off. I don't Rogue, know why. Rogue <laughs> Two, <laughs> Ro- Electric Boogaloo. That's basically what it is. I'm most excited for that just because it's it's Top Gear and sp- Top Gun in space. Yes. Top Gear is a whole other thing. I'd, I'd be okay with Top Gear in space. Top, yeah. Hammond, <laughs> my spanner. <laughs> that's not gone well. <laughs> but in Huttese. That's right. Is it, yeah. If you're listening to this on the 17th, tune in to Amazon Prime tomorrow because there's a Grand Tour special coming out. Oh, the the wild... A massive hunt. A massive hunt, right, yeah. <laughs> I was just looking at that today. I'm excited for that. Um, that's going to be good. Yes. Uh, but yeah, but, no, I, I think uh, the Rogue Squadron movie is big. Uh, but honestly, I, the, from what I saw from the Andor series, mm-hmm. I'm excited to see that because I, that is a, that's, that's another era of Star Wars that I love is the creation of... Of the rebellion, right, yeah, you know, we've seen it in Rebels and like in uh, plenty of other comics and novels and stuff like that. So it's always fun to see it from different perspectives, and it's just such a big galaxy, man. There's there's, there's limitless possibilities. Absolutely, and but, I, uh, and the sizzle reel really looked promising. Some really cool stuff, and and I'm very excited for that. It was probably it felt the most 
complete. Yes. Even though I guess uh, Bad Batch will be the first of these new shows that will be coming out. And that so. one is another big one too. Like there's yeah. there's I'm it, there's nothing that I'm not excited for. Let's put it that way. <laughs> like I I I'm excited to break them all down individually. Yes. Um, so. and I I do think that we should do that. I agree. A good time. What about um, you, Duncan? Uh, I'm not gonna lie. I'm a, a OG Willow fan, so <laughs> <laughs> there's your answer. Nothing wrong with Willow. And Warwick Davis is like, this is like his passion project. Oh yes. yeah, so. Well, Warwick, da- he is Star Wars. Well, like, he is. like he, I love, I love Warwick he, Davis. I think he has the record for like the most characters played in the saga. It's true. Yeah, he's the Hank Azaria of Star Wars, <laughs> right there. All jokes aside, I think I'm most excited for a a feature length Taika Waititi project. Yes, it'll be interesting to see what he has to bring to the table as well. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I loved his episode uh, of uh, The Mandalorian. It had his style, and he was able to mix action and comedy so beautifully and not stumble over one or the other and make it seem sloppy. It was very well-balanced. Absolutely. Um, but speaking of well-balanced, it's Uta Puta, everybody. Hello, and welcome to Greeter Shot First. My name is Connor. I'm Andrew. And we are here to talk Star Wars, all things Star Wars, and anything even freaking related to Star Wars. And today, gang, we're back at it. We're back at it to talk about season two, episode six. Wait. Yes. Chapter 14. 14. <laughs> A couple after bankruptcy. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, simply titled. Um, what is it titled? I forget. The Tragedy. Oh, God. That's right. That's why I don't remember. <laughs> the All is Lost moment. No one. <laughs> No one wants to remember this one, uh, but it was a good one. It's a very good one. Oh, my goodness. So, yes, uh, season two, episode six, chapter 14, simply titled The Tragedy. That's right. Um, we will go into this a little bit. Uh, obviously, we started at the top talking about all the big Star Wars news and everything like that, but we right. are going to stick with but our the Mando. biggest Star Wars news. Oh, yes. It's the most... still Mando. St- still Mando. It's still going. We still got a few more episodes before the end of the season. And we're here to talk today about uh, the episode titled The Tragedy and what the tragedy could be. Because yeah. there is a lot of tragedy there coming this way. Several elements of tragedy in this story. <laughs> Certainly open for interpretation. Yes. Mm. Uh, right on, yeah, but right off the bat, uh, before we dive into it like we always do, real quick, uh, non-spoiler review. This was a hard episode to watch. It was good. It was really good. But it was there was a lot of moments where I was like, this is, no, this can't go this way. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, it was. It, I mean, the the name is apt. It's a bit of a hard watch. In fact, like rewatching it, I was like, wow. Yeah. As it, much as there is in this episode that I love so much, like I don't need to watch this very often. Did, they, did you find it hard to breathe because you were getting punched in the gut so much? A little bit. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of how it felt. <laughs> Ryan, um, I laughed. I cried. <laughs> I cheered. Then I cried some more. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, it. it a great showing by uh, Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. Yes. Director Very much a uh, surprise guest director, I well, would say. Well, we'll talk more about that, too. But uh, before we get into it, like again, there's the spoilers coming at you. So before we go any further, uh, this is uh, last chance to turn around. Three, two, one, spoilers ahead. So, Andrew, what is the overview on uh, the tragedy? The Mandalorian and child travel to an ancient site. Again. Knocking it Perfect. out of the park, yeah. <laughs> uh, and as we are, as uh, uh, Brian already brought up, uh, this was directed by Robert Rodriguez of yes. all people, uh, Shark Boy and Lava Girl. I was fame. gonna say Spy Kids fame, <laughs> Machete. That's that's what we're going with. <laughs> I, man, I don't know. Well, I mean, th- that movie is coming back too. That is getting a renaissance as well. For the love of God, I know, I know. 
But like, honestly, it's just, just watching the whole episode and like knowing that he was behind it. Well, first of all, you didn't realize he was behind it until the end of the episode. Yeah, I, I was, I had heard um, rumors or I had heard the announcement that he was going to do be an responsible episode for an episode in this season. I was like, oh, okay. You didn't keep, think keep about it moving. It. Didn't yeah. think about it. And then as soon as I saw his name at the at the top of the end credits, it was like, oh, oh. Robert okay. Rodriguez. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> that really was my moment because it, it cut to black and you saw the first title card, you know, the first credit, and it was just like, <gasps> what? <laughs> like I, I, I like I freaked out about it a little bit. I was I was pretty happy about it. Yeah. I feel like he uh he acted on his best friend Quentin Tarantino's deepest desire to do a Star Trek film. Yeah, that's true. Uh, He's well, like, I gotta get in the galaxy <laughs> somehow. Yeah. Oh. But so in addition to his directing, written by John Favreau, no um, surprise there. Of course. Starring Pedro Pascal as the titular Mandalorian mm-hmm. Din Jaren, Tamora Morrison as Boba Fett. Wow. <laughs> How stoked are you? Uh yeah, we're gonna get your We'll get oh, into it. We're going to have to take a little time out. <laughs> I have a couple of moments. We're going to unpack this. on my notes that are, <laughs> that are like, okay, time out here. <laughs> I, I do. Yeah, I do. I would very much like to hear because Andrew being the uh, the resident Boba Fett man, uh, this is this is his moment to shine. So. Yeah. I, trust me. I was satisfied. <laughs> um, Go ahead. We also have Ming-Na Wen as Fennec Shand. Mulan herself. Back from the dead. Hell yes. yeah. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito as Moff Gideon. Gina Carano as Cara Cynthia Dune. Mm. Uh, Gabriel Ebert was the gunnery officer. Yes. He has a very important line of dialogue. He only has one line, but it's a very important one. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And Katie M. O'Brien returning as the female comms officer. Oh, yeah. So she's like, I I know that I I, I didn't. It it was one of the clickbait articles, but it was like, why does this person look so familiar? And she does look familiar to me, but I I mean, I I guess I saw she was on like Walking Dead or something. Yes. That's what I was going to say. And I maybe I'm getting it wrong, but I think she was also in Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D., but it might be somebody else. Well, I I, mean, Ming-Na Wen was in Obviously, yeah. So it's all over the place. Everyone kind of just jumps from everywhere. Yeah. But Uh, uh, I mean, one, maybe this is like a little bit of a giveaway or something, but. Uh, Katie O'Brien is like she's an accomplished like MMA artist Mm -hmm. so I feel like the fact that she keeps showing up in all of these episodes and has like significant dialogue might suggest a bigger role upcoming for her here's hoping like she might have to do a fisticuffs with Kara dude or something like that before too long precisely who knows that's kind of my my guess they gonna duke it out yeah But uh, so would, it, would that lead us into the cold open? That leads us to the cold open again. The journey to Tython. Yes, again, t- cold opens. Uh, this was this was more subdued than most of the cold opens yes. through this whole season. Yeah, but it didn't stop it from being any more. Uh, I don't know, touching. Yes, like still pun- super emotional and and satisfying. Just he sees him playing with the little uh, shifter knob, and he just goes Grogu, and he's like, huh. Like that, <laughs> the ears perking up and everything gets back to it. It's just still, he's still in love with it. And you can see him laughing under the hood. <sighs> it, it just shows like how much he cares for him. Exactly. And he's, he's so upset and disappointed when Grogu does take the shifter knob back from uh, his hand using the force. Dank Ferrick. Yeah. And he says, I'm not mad at you. I think he's just mad that. Like he has to give him up if some yeah. if 
somebody comes to the seeing stone that the nice lady told them to go to. See. I love that he referred to him as the nice lady. Just kind of get like someone's I, coming to that seeing stone. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But it's still, it was just like emotional. I and mean, he's just like, "You're very special, kid." Like you could tell it was and hard he wants, for him to yeah, say. Yeah, he's it. omitting the words to me. Yes, but he definitely wants to say. Oh, that it's heavily word. implied. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god! But it's still, he's like, what, like whoever comes, there, you got to promise you let them take care of you. Yes, and that's when you get the title card. Yeah, the tragedy, which cuts away from his obvious <laughs> tears. <laughs> right. Well, no, there was a point where, uh, so when this episode had premiered, um, Brian, you're able to see it before either one of us, and so you actually dropped the the name of the title, like the name of the episode or whatever, uh, while I was at work, and so all day I got to walk around thinking. What happened? The What's going on? Yeah. Such a touching moment in that cold open, and then it immediately cuts to the title card, the, the tragedy. tragedy. And it's like, and oh I'm god, like, why? No, <laughs> Take no, it back. I'm not ready. <laughs> I'm not ready. Yeah, so, such a non sequitur between like this super sweet intro and then <laughs> the tragedy. It's almost like uh like one of the cold opens from It's Always Sunny. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like that's not gonna happen to us, and then it happens to the gang. That's the yeah, <laughs> such a touching moment. The gang commits genocide. Yeah, <laughs> like what? <laughs> wait, wait, what? <laughs> that took a left turn. Yes. Uh, well, so uh, after this, uh, we see him actually make the approach to the Seeing Stone on mm-hmm. Tython, the Magic Rock, the Magic Rock, as he puts it. I feel like all of Din's dialogue in this like opening sequence is it's, just it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, because he's he's the avid he's the average Star Wars. Like uh, viewer, I yes. wouldn't say a fan. It's just someone who knows of Star Wars, mm. and they're like, "Is this that farce thing you're talking about?" Yeah. You know, but like that's just like I guess there's a special rock you guys got to float or something. But like <laughs> honestly, yeah, I loved it, and I love the fact that like you could see it the way he does the little like you know approach. It does like the turnaround on yeah. it and everything, and then he gives that great line where he's like. <laughs> We gotta we gotta do the last foot well like the last couple miles without the windows or whatever. So yeah, windows goes, down. We're gonna make the, the last down. stretch with the windows down. And, it's, whoosh, and it zooms off. And it was just such a cool shot. And yeah, just like, you know, Grogu's uh, ears, ears flapping, just flapping in the wind, just loving it. Woo! I gotta yeah. admit, I was kind of taken by surprise when it was like, oh crap, we're going straight to this. Yeah, yeah. there's. Okay, so that, I guess the uh, the Razor Crest is fully operational now. Yeah, right. everything's well, working. Yeah, let's waste no time. I was yeah. gonna say we saw it do like the big old dock fight. Everything was fine with it. It was kicking butt, you know. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. I mean, with the exception of the siege, one thing I actually kind of appreciate about this story, mm-hmm. well, the siege and I guess um, the passenger. Yeah, uh, like those were kind of people give the show like crap like oh like it's just all these side quests he you know din is the the type of rpg player that Who does all the, everything the side the quests before he even starts the the main mission but it's like duh yeah that's how you make your way in the galaxy you have someone owes you a favor you know you need something they need something you yeah. can offer it that's what star wars is look at look at the like han solo and luke luke skywalker the first time they interact like that that's kind of how it comes out I don't know. I, they offer to pay and all this kind of stuff, but ultimately there's there are favors made and whatnot. Exactly. I don't know. But yeah, and I guess ultimately my my comment here is just like for as much crap as people have given to the show about like not following a straight line. I mean, both the, the two most recent episodes have been like, hey, we're gonna go to the you know planet 
Caledon and we're going to go find this Jedi. And then the next episode opens with that Jedi. Right. And yeah, like not even wasting time with it. Yeah. So and you're right. That episode ends with her saying, go to the planet Tython and go to the rock. Yeah. And guess what? That's, That's where exactly at. where they go. Which yeah. Well, so yeah, to that end, I appreciate that. I, like, I, I do appreciate that there's no... Well, this also would probably go into anyone saying that, oh, well, there's filler. Like, obviously, it's not filler if, like, this is what he has to do next. Right. And so I appreciate that. It all loops together. But, I mean, it would, I think the idea behind this episode is, it like, the way it presents itself, it almost presents itself as the end of the journey. And that's why things kind of seem, like, n- you know, normal and everything once he actually gets to the seeing stone. Now, what, what was your idea of, first of all, what was your first impressions of seeing Tython live action. Awfully nice that it's just Southern California. Well, so <laughs> I was under the assumption that, is that Tython... Southern California or is that Northern California? Ah, it's a lot of green. Yeah, it's a it, lot of rock. Yeah, I guess it's a little, maybe it's a little too rocky. But I, I mean, to me, it looks like my note on this is that it looks like Star Trek. Yeah, <laughs> like it was like, like they just found an area where that looked kind of alien. Yes, exactly. Now, I thought Tython was actually supposed to be like a snow planet. Like, that was my assumption, mm-hmm. just based on what I remember, like, in past, like, references to it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I also could just be a different time, at, you know, of the galactic year or something like that, for yeah. all we know, shifting <laughs> seasons. Just summer there. Yeah, for all we know. But, like, that's because you also say, like, at the, t- uh, the uh, at the tallest mountain and stuff like that. So you're thinking to yourself, like, he's going to have to climb something the equivalent of, like, Mount Everest or something like that, right? Like mm-hmm. he's gonna have to put himself at the tallest peak. Yes. And it's like, no, it's a foothill. Yeah. That's that's pretty much it. Yeah, that I mean, I don't I didn't dis like overall I liked the setting for the episode, mm-hmm. but like kind of seeing the seeing stone like from the air was not the most impressive thing we've seen all no. season. <laughs> no, they could have done they could have made it higher. Yeah. But all the same, like it, it does it I still think that the structure Mm-hmm. Is very pretty. Yeah. And it and shows us like how old it is. Exactly. And I think that was part of the conceit is that like we want this to look really old. We don't want it to necessarily look like the most, you know, sort of elaborate carved whatever. No door steel or anything like that. It's, exactly. it's all within it's just the, the world. Yeah. Well, even to that end, like I do like the fact that they kind of make it resemble things like Stonehenge and mm-hmm. like a lot of old stone sculptures from around the world. Cause that's, I think that was kind of the motif they were going for that. It's just, it's supposed to be like, you don't know what it's really for. You know that it's, it has existed here for centuries, you know, but you don't know how to use it or whatever to that point where like Din puts them on the, on the stone mm-hmm. and he's like, he starts looking around. He's like, maybe there's some kind of control or something. Like yeah. he doesn't know what's going on. Exactly. And little Grogu is just on the stone, like playing, playing with, with the, the butterfly. butterfly. <laughs> and he's like, come on, kid, you're supposed to be doing this. Like yeah. I'm just supposed to bring it here. You're supposed yeah. to do the rest. Yeah. So. Now, speaking of that butterfly, I have to bring it up because I've seen it in a number of places. How do you guys respond to the allegation that that butterfly is in some way a nod or a connection to Ben Solo? So I I heard about this. Have you heard about this, Andrew? Um, I like read a little bit about it. I I well, I guess I've heard rumor or like theories about the butterfly somehow being a Jedi, so, something like that. Or, so, no, so the from what I can remember, and you can fact check me on this, Duncan. But it was uh, from what I read was it was something about Ben Solo has a like a little moment like there's like a kid's story or something like that that involves Han and, and Lando or something like that but Ben's involved and he has some kind of force connection with butterflies. the butterflies that are <laughs> similar to this and that's the broad strokes of it essentially mm-hmm. they're saying that because he has a strong connection to the butterflies they send him that way I've also heard that um, 
the, this might also be the moment like in the rise of Skywalker, where you see uh, Leia and Luke training in the woods. Uh, mm-hmm. And they both have a moment where they pause because it, you could see in their face, if they feel something, maybe they were sensing Grogu reaching out because for all we know, that was about five years after, you know, Return, Return of the, the Jedi, Jedi yeah. which is what this is said in. So mm-hmm. something like that. But I mean, it, it th- that's another one of those things where I believe it's, it's definitely open to interpretation. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's just about how, how you decide to look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like the butterfly thing is a stretch. But yeah. Personally. I mean, I think it's a, it's a pretty image and it, it yeah. serves its purpose insofar as like, you know, we see Grogu kind of not yeah. taking it seriously, which gives us a chance to then cut away from him focus on something mm-hmm. else in the sky <laughs> yes. all right so now that we're here i kind of want you to take the reins so walk us through <laughs> your experience here um well it was i was mildly moist <laughs> you spilled your coffee or something yeah that's right oh, let's go with that all over my lap uh, <laughs> so we get the first shot in the first sounds of slave one mm. It's back. That fire spray, baby. It yeah. looks so good. It it really does. Oh I mean, it God. was so cool. And I mean, I don't remember the sounds quite so vividly, but that kind of like early jet engine kind of sound yeah. was just like so perfectly matched to the ship yes. and like in atmosphere anyway, because I think we definitely don't see it fly very often in atmosphere. No, the, the only thing we've even seen it do... We saw it fly a little bit, like in Attack of the Clones, atmosphere wise. But yeah. even to that end, like, and you it know, was it like wasn't a focused. Yeah, it was like a landing kind. Exactly, of. it was like a landing moment. To that end, I mean, see how fast that thing turns around. Like, I love just the dynamic of that ship because it's kind of like the B-wing in a sense that it has that weird gyroscope feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like just seeing it come in when it like does that quick one eighty and like lands on its back and stuff like that. I just yeah, that landing was uh, was buttery smooth. Smooth. Yeah. He didn't lose a step. Yeah, it's been a lot. It seems like it's probably been a long time since, you know, Boba's been flying it, presumably. Oh, yeah. But yeah. he hasn't missed a beat. But that's just it. Like, you think about, like, he was he was spat on on the sands of Tatooine or whatever, you know, yeah. that's, as he puts, and uh, left for dead. But, like, no one messed with his ship the whole time. Like, that's yeah. the part that I don't get. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was one of my questions. Okay, where's Slave One been all this time? Yeah. <laughs> Well, so anyways, you see the ship uh, fly by, makes a perfect landing, and then Din turns around and goes, we got to go, kid. Yes. And that's when you see the uh, end-all, be-all Avengers blue orb to the sky yes. surrounding Grogu, and you realize, oh, wait, no, this is the this final is... boss. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Grogu is out of commission. It, so that was already startling enough. And, like, it, it's, I think just seeing the the amplification of like force powers in that sense Mm -hmm. was satisfying. Yeah. Like it's not so much that like they're taking, they're taking over like the whole episode, Mm -hmm. but the fact of the matter is that this is another type of like, this is just force energy that we're not used to. We've seen examples of excessive force use Mm -hmm. in star Wars, but it's something like this, that just, it's so powerful that it creates a, you know, a, practically like a shield that it's visible. Yes. yes. That's, that's always dr- very, that's always very dramatic and very touching to me. I don't know. I always find it beautiful to see that. Yes. So I agree with that. And it, you know, it was powerful. And I think this, like this series has done a really good job of kind of keeping Grogu in a place that moves his story along without him having to, you know, be the deus ex machina, the end all be all Yeah, for, yeah. for Mando on multiple occasions, which 
you know, I'm not going to say like, oh, you know, series episode or series one was bad because it did that a couple of times. But no, it was they were. Well, that was more his story than anything else. Anyways, mm-hmm. I think season two is more of Mandalorian story than season one was. I agree. We were still being introduced. to the, We didn't even learn Din's name until the end of the, the very end. Yeah. Exactly. You know, we learned more about the child than we did about Din. So mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that. I like that's the same thing with this, like this season now, especially because. Of all the interactions he's had with all these people he's met, I think him as a character has grown. And we'll get more into that. For sure. But uh, as you say, so he so now, he yeah. can't get to the baby Gro- uh, baby Grogu. The baby Groot. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, but anyways, go ahead. So he says, all right, well, stay here, kid. And I'll go check it out. He, yeah, and he goes to check it out, and he gets shot at from a distance and hides behind some cover. And all of a sudden, a hooded figure walks out from somewhere i've been tracking you mandalorian i love that (laughs) and and uh din asks him are you a jedi or are you after the child which is like it's it's a very yeah it's very uh limited range of thinking i would say and i just well because you never know what he never he wants anymore yeah it's like (laughs) i'm here for the armor oh god (laughs) So this kind of this kind of redeems everything I thought about, like because I, I always give kind of crap to uh, attack or no um, Empire, uh, they're the newer versions for having Tamora's voice mm-hmm. as Boba, but I do like the fact that they've done that now because it does sync up more. I agree, especially because I do like the the way he presented himself. He was just as ruthless as you want him to be right yes. off the bat. Yeah. Oh, so go ahead. Yeah. So I mean that was awesome, but I mean I guess the you know Boba's answer to Din, when he asks, are you uh, a Jedi or are you after the child? And his answer, of course, very satisfying. I'm just a simple man trying to make, make my way in the universe. That's right. I freaked out. I like I like looked at Eva and I said, he said it. And he's like, said what? And I was like, well, you'll understand someday. <laughs> yeah. But like it was just it was perfect. Yes. Oh, so super satisfying. And, and like I love the little like prequel callbacks. Oh, God. Um, I feel like there's been a few satisfying ones. A lot of satisfying ones. I don't know about you. I'm like me being the prequel guy that I am. I'm loving every moment that <laughs> yeah. pops up. Yeah. So, but I mean, just the whole interaction and finally you get to reveal that like, oh, well, he's got a sharpshooter that's like, oh, well, I, I got, you know, I got best score on. You ain't going to take me out. And he's like, mm-hmm. well, I'm not aiming at you. Yeah. Aiming at your little friend up there. Yeah. Your little companion up companion. on the ridge. Yeah. And I don't miss. <laughs> yeah. And I, that So that was a great reveal. And yes. I like I was just like, what? She what? And like, how? <laughs> Why? What? And, yeah. and but I am happy that uh, Fennec is back. Ming Na Wen is back. I agree. I, yeah. I mean that was, I mean that episode, uh, the gunslinger. I think was a little bit of a an interesting turn for the show, just insofar as it's like, I think that's one of the first times where we see Din kind of have more of that compassion and like i think he realizes he really doesn't want to take down fennec yeah uh you know but he he's being paid to do this job and he needs to get this job done basically and so but, it's it's just interesting to see that come full circle yeah and like in like so much so that like their interactions later on in the episode are very uh, very noticeable yeah yeah it, I, that it, it's like a very mutual respect between the two of them or something i don't know but as you mm. say yes you look like you've seen a ghost. That's a great look because you can't tell what he looks like under the hood. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so good. 
Uh, it is like true though because there's like something about i don't know if they maybe do have like a little bit of play with like the sides of the helmet or something maybe it just felt a little bit like he was like he had this confusion face on you ever like well well, being a day and age that we are now with everyone having to wear masks i've seen that there's a you can buy it like a mask with a digital smile on it Uh so it actually maps out your lips so if you're talking it'll like open up and everything like that if you smile it'll smile what a time to be alive. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so I'm, I'm surprised that like, Din hasn't gone that far. But yes. again, we have to realize that like most of the technology is stuck in the 70s. Exactly. So there's that. Perpetually stuck in the 70s. But yeah. honestly, yeah. It, it, the the showdown, so to speak, it, between all three of them and them actually meeting together, it was just very cool and very interesting to see it all. And like just, I don't know, I love the fact that this kind of, this was a big episode for Boba Fett fans. Not only for the fact that like you get to see him as a character, but you get some... I guess redemption. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I think so. A lot of people, and I guess this is maybe a point for me to take one of my uh, little detours. Go ahead. You know, cause a lot of people that are at least somewhat familiar with the expanded universe or whatever, the legends continuity are very, you know, they're, they're the ones that are like, Oh, I hate what they did to Luke Skywalker in the sequel trilogy. And like, I understand that. Because to them, like Luke is this like literally all powerful figure that yes. can't be stopped in the EU. Yes. Um, but to me, that's part of a big part of why Boba Fett is my favorite character because of what be- they've done for him. Yeah, because of his arc in the expanded universe types of stories, where yes. he kind of you know he does take on this uh, anti heroic type of message, and you know he becomes very acclaimed he becomes mandalore yeah uh in the eu which is interesting it's incredible in its own right yeah um but so it was just super satisfying to see some of that pull through in this like conversation where he's like let's have a parlay yeah (laughs) um you know he's he is still a ruthless killer and we'll get into that in a moment but he's also like learned and you can see that he has this kind of deeper meaning and deeper insight i think that's important to realize too i think that like if if anything comes from it because we've gotten more new canon boba fett uh with novels and comics and stuff Mm -hmm. um this is everything before the sarlacc obviously um and in those instances he has been shown as ruthless and uh terrifying and all this kind of stuff and he just is one of these people you do not want to mess with he's not a hero he's a bounty hunter Mm -hmm. um but i it has to be as you say something after the after him uh, getting out of the Sarlacc, something must have changed him. Something he must have just grown, gotten wiser. Yeah. Obviously, he spent a few years wandering the desert, so if something must have happened, yeah. you know, that's kind of I, I I agree with that, and I I do like the fact that he's he doesn't come off as brash anymore. He doesn't come off as like yeah, he's not uh, impulsive. Cocky, right? Yes, that's another word for it. So, but he's yeah, he's he's kind of very grounded. But also you kind of just know and there's that kind of simmering sense of like fear. Well, or not danger. Even, well, I wouldn't say fear. And maybe it's like danger for Din yes. potentially. But I think it's just this this simmering sense of confidence that Boba still has. Yes, that's and true. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's such a satisfying and deep and meaningful personification of the role. And I'm just so happy that uh, like he's here. 
he's on his way. I mean, we don't know what his story is going to be, what it's going to become, but it was just so awesome to to get that conversation. Well, to that end, too, uh, Tamora Morrison uh, was still just a perfect shot for this. Like, <laughs> he is, he knocks it out of the park. And we haven't said anything about this yet, and I'm interested to hear what you have to say about this, Brian, but the sound, like the music in this episode is probably my favorite the entire season. Uh, basically because of Tamora Morrison's heritage and everything like that, that they use the Maori, like, I, I don't know. I don't, I'm going to Maori. Maori. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like the Maori, like traditional instruments. It almost sounds like a, not what it sounds, I want to say a ditch or you do, but well, I, that's essentially yeah. what it is. But just, just the use of it. Cause you hear it. It's almost the same, like uh theme of the Mandalorian. Like you listen to Din's theme. Mm-hmm. It's almost pan flute-esque. It's almost very samurai. It's very calm, cool, collect. And then you hear the Maori, and it's mm-hmm. like, it's heavy. And it's and a it's, deeper, it's intimidating. It's guttural. Yeah. And it's guttural, yeah. yes. And that's, the, I, every time you would hear it, and every time you saw the ship flying by, and everything, like, I felt goosebumps. I felt like Absolutely. there was something coming, and like, you knew something was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, for sure. So I this, mean, honestly, that was my other, like, okay, we need to detour to talk about the music. The music uh, is, this was some of the best yeah, music this I mean, it, Yeah, and it's great in this scene, but I think it's even better when we, we Later. flashing forward a little bit, yeah, we, we see something else with Boba Fett. So why don't we do that? Why don't we keep moving forward? <laughs> yes. So after their parlay, uh, we hear another ship come over. Well, the one thing I'll say is, like, there is one lazy moment here that yeah. I don't totally like, and it's just like, you know, so... Basically, in this parlay, Boba agrees. Like he puts down his rifle, Fennec puts down her rifle, and then they ask uh, Din to put down his jetpack. Jet <laughs> yeah, I, uh, th- so I, I, I didn't like that very much. Well, see, I, I was trying to figure that out myself, and I think the only real reasonable explanation is this way he can't jet off. Yeah, I mean, that's get, what he it can't is. get away. One hundred percent, that's it. But yeah. it seemed. I feel. I feel like there could have been a more organic, more justified reason for him to take off his jetpack not just for the sake of moving the story forward no, that's right. fair it, 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 it didn't feel earned yeah, yeah. i mean i like I, I i i think it's like everyone can kind of it's, it's one of those things you have to accept it to just kind of move the narrative but yeah yeah it you're gonna have those moments regardless of whatever you're you know looking at you know how it goes yes. but anyways you see a ship fly over and the ship kind of looks familiar <laughs> it looks like a flying brick yeah because uh, we've seen those in what was it, episode seven? Yeah, uh, return or uh, the Force Awakens. Yes, something similar, rather. Return the, of the Force. Return <laughs> of the Force, people. Now, at the beginning of uh, the Force Awakens, there they had these troop transports that were very boxy. They weren't designed to be sleek. They were designed to be uh, like uh, the utility. They were yeah. designed to transport. And that's yeah, exactly I mean, what they do. Yeah, the ones from Force Awakens, I think, always reminded me of like, like the, D-Day, exactly amphibious the, assault exactly. ships, the yeah. landers from D-Day. That's pretty much what these the same idea. <gasps> the ramp that, falls down. Yeah, and all with that. that wedge ramp in the front. Yeah. So, but I mean, I'm. I, it was. It was like once they landed, I was like, oh no, I know who this is going to be, and it, I was not disappointed seeing a flood of stormtroopers coming yeah. out of that thing. There's so many troopers that I want on that dropship. I, I want to know how many Space troopers fit onto that thing because it's like the same thing with like U-wings in the like Rogue One. Like, <laughs> yeah. how many troopers can you actually fit on a U-wing? Like, yeah, what's the deal? All of them. Yeah. All of them. Yeah, it's yeah. like the U-wing capacity looks like it's barely bigger than like a Y-wing. I think you can hold like six people. <laughs> yeah. That's about it. And that's including the pilot. Yeah. yeah, but they had like a whole division inside of it. Uh, <laughs> but still like it, it you know it's it's just as intimidating seeing uh 
uh, Boba and um, Fennec like set themselves up on the ridge and just starting to snipe everybody <laughs> was so cool. Yeah. And they split up and do their thing. Now Fennec got to show her steel. Like we already knew that she was a, a sharpshooter and everything, but it's still just cool to see her just not miss a single shot when yeah. it came to doing all this. She doesn't miss. She doesn't miss. Yeah. If you don't remember. Where's you, the lie? Yeah. Where's the lie? And then you see Din uh, finally get back up to the rock and he's like, we got to get out of here, kid. And he gets knocked back. <laughs> yeah. Him trying to force himself in there was one of the hardest things to watch. Yeah. Because he really was just like, he was so worried about it. And he's like, oh, he gets blown away and like gets <laughs> yeah. knocked out. Yeah, I mean, he's truly just completely, you know, willing to sort of sacrifice himself to get Grogu to safety. Yeah. And he's not worried about the long term ramifications of getting like force attacked like that. I think it's also just to, like it shows just what the armor is doing for him. Mm-hmm. I think that like, especially through this whole season so far, you've seen that he has this overwhelming sense of invincibility yes because of the best car right and uh, yeah, he I, can I, be a, a bullet sponge he that, can do all sorts of things yeah. that m- many of his companions cannot yeah, yeah. i mean so. you see he even does it like literally in a couple minutes when he rejoins the battle with fennec he acts and, as like, a human shield it's just her shield and mm-hmm. like they you know go from point a to point b it's so good yeah, well, and so that was very satisfying. In between all that, at one point, uh, so like, let's. Well, we got to talk about Gadurfi justice. Well, I am getting to that. <laughs> I, all I was just going to say is, in between all this, there is something else that happens. So I'm just going to kind of fast forward to the point where, when Din does wake up and he realizes that uh, uh, Grogu is still doing his thing, that's when he's like, okay. Um, you know, we're going to protect you. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to protect you. Stay here. <laughs> and then he runs away. And that's Again, kids, stay here. <laughs> so in between all this, as you say, Gadurfi justice, please elaborate. <laughs> well, I feel like once again, this is like example of this is kid like men in their 40s playing with the toys from the 70s. Oh, yeah. Especially uh, like Robert Rodriguez coming in. This is yeah. this is a Robert Rodriguez fight. Yeah, anything else. Absolutely. It is. Yeah. I mean, it was brutal. Yeah. I mean, like it was almost uncomfortable, like. I don't know how, like, whenever I'm introducing this to, like, Sully, for instance, how to deal with this particular scene from this particular episode. <sighs> it's so brutal. Like, I mean, just, well, basically because it's the Desperado coming in with his guitar case. He's taking out the whole bar of people. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and it's just, it's just incredible. Yeah. But, like, you finally get to see the, like, the, like, the gaffy stick, like, the mm-hmm. Gadurfi, like, used for what it is. Like, it's got a, it's got a pronged end and a blunt end. And it's also, it's also a play on a traditional Maori weapon, which I can't right. remember the name of, but essentially it's just a club. Yeah. It's a club with a hooked end. Yeah. And it's terrifying. But just, I love the fact that they just, they molded his whole character around his traditional, like, you know, his heritage and stuff mm-hmm. like that. That was cool. It was Seeing awesome. it all just kind of come to fruition yeah. and be, and be so natural. Yes. You know, that's what made it even more, like, damn it. Like, he just seemed so natural to it with the music mixing in and everything like that. The whole scene. Agreed. Fred Shevskis, as you said. <laughs> that's right. Hearkening uh, back to your, your comment, it, our comment on the last episode and then earlier on this episode, um, just talking about the sound design, seeing Stormtrooper armor <laughs> smash and shatter and hearing oh. it was so gratifying oh you're telling me it was so wonderful i really want to know where that like what that sound is yes like Like there's a foley artist somewhere who was just like smashing terracotta plates (laughs) and tile and like my 
uh, Eva was watching this. She was like, she was loving every moment when she's like, just look at it shatter. Like you yeah. saw pieces flying yeah, and, everywhere. And again, that was also like the, the visual effects were fantastic. Oh, just, God. And like that seemed all pretty practical, I would say. I mean, yeah. I, you know, maybe it wasn't, but, but it still, looked excellent. Just like, everything he did for it. And I do like the fact that like they, they still give, they try to give the stormtroopers a little bit of personality. Like there's mm-hmm. that one point where like the, the pauldron, like the captain or whatever. Yeah. Is that like, the first Frank, time we've seen that in live action? What the pauldron? Yeah. No, we saw it all the way back in new hope, brother. Yeah. It was the, okay. the yeah. pauldron soldier was one of the ones who asked, uh, he asked like the, the sir, look, yeah. droids. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> That was the very first one. Yeah. Um, and and also, like, in Moss Eisley. Oh, yeah. That guy. Because that would signify that's their, like, squad leader, right? Exactly, okay. yeah. I was going to say, the say that's, the, that's their CO. Yeah. We There's, did also get to see, like, a new Stormtrooper. Yeah, a the, Mortar Trooper. The Mortar Trooper. Yes. Yeah, that was, that was exciting. Yeah. So, <laughs> it was, I can't remember if it was you or somebody else, or maybe it was even, like, Eva that sent me it, but it was a meme that was like, imagine you go through three years of academy training only to become a Mortar Trooper. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I, mean, I like how he, for some reason, was worthy of special yellow armor. Right, armor. yeah. Like, yellow used to signify you were, like, a general and yeah, stuff exactly. like that. And now it's like, nope, I just no, got I high explosives. Put, yeah, I put this in the tube, and then and it, it goes, goes out the tube. <laughs> and then it goes boom. Uh, boom uh, tube goes boom. That's right. Oh, um, God. But, yeah, th- just, just seeing them all do their thing. But, yeah, th- give them a little bit of personality, because at one point he goes, flank them. And he goes... Uh, it's like, but sir, there's too much fire. He's like, fight them, you idiot, and just gets yeah. shot. And he's like, all right, somebody else get up there. Yeah, but still, just like that whole thing of like, he's the leader, so he's like telling everybody else, like, it's yeah. such an imperial thing to do. Yeah, and it was like, it was so perfect. And yeah, then just and then seeing he sees that, that one guy like get blown away right after he yells at him, he's like, keep moving, <laughs> and then he gets attacked himself. Well, that's that's so. the point where you get that that little knock on yeah. the shoulder and just yeah. gets hit with the stick. Oh. Yeah, and I have a lot of I have a lot of time for Boba just like at that point, like turning around and saying, "Oh, there's the Razor Crest." Uh, I'm just gonna go do something real quick. Yeah, uh, like you can see where his mindset was at. Yes, <laughs> it was still, and then that's when you get the point where uh, Grogu passes out after Din leaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, Din goes and joins Fennec, and they're starting their shoot off, and then they're yes. they're trying to keep them all at bay. And at one point, he's like, "We're you know we're surrounded. We gotta give it up." And you just see that little the. I mean, what is that? Is that a charge? It's not. A, it's not a thermal detonator. No, it's considered a grenade. Okay, so yeah, because yeah. like I know he has them on his belt too, like mm-hmm. that Din does. Yeah. yeah, we see the grenade go off, and just that, just that shot of like the stormtrooper getting up, and it's all quiet, and you just hear that heavy thunk right behind thunk. him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was so satisfying. And yes. so, please, by all means, walk so us now through this. Boba is back. Woo! And we get to see him like we've never seen him before. Full dad bod. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I think it's just, you know, he's wearing that kind of... He has, no, look, he has the robe on. Yeah. He has the belt that's, that's a holding his robe. belly up. Yeah. Yeah, look, we've all been there, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was like a stupid amount of controversy about this, like, on... Like, it was not, like, it was not even... Reddit. Yeah, it was not Reddit. even, like... I, I, well, first of all, they kept the height, right? Yeah. But at the same time, like, he was more pacifist now than anything else anyways. Yeah. You know, I think his whole deal was he was young and scrappy when that first yeah. happened. But, I mean, there's even, I mean, there are recent photos of Tamora Morrison where he still looks pretty jacked. I think yeah. it was truly just a consequence of what he was wearing. Yeah. Like, it, honestly, it was just, like, the push-up of the robe and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But, like, 
I think the one point that probably caught the most people was like when you first see him and he does the side profile holding yeah, the gut up. It, there's a piece of his, well, not even the gut. There's a piece of his chest armor that's pulled it out. And I think people were like, well, he can't even hold that crap together. And it's like, come on. Well, I mean, it also, you know, the armor has been through a lot. Well, and, yeah. So like, and we, who knows what Cobb Vanth was doing to it. I was going to say, so this is an awesome parallel because we've seen Cobb Vanth wear it and obviously he was too tall and lanky for it. Yes. And now we're back to the original owner, but he doesn't have his original suit underneath it. Mm-hmm. So it's obviously going to be a weird fit, but you can tell how natural he is with it because he takes him out. Yes. He takes out his guns, he uses his gauntlets, he like uses the gauntlet to launch well, a character into this. I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean we get the wrist rockets, we oh get the god. knee rockets. The knee darts. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, it was just insane. And and again, this is just where that music and I mean all Everything. credit to Ludwig Gorenson. Like he's been like his work this season has gone to that next level as well. I yes, mean, very fan- choice. Yeah, and it was fantastic in season one, but now it's just like so like it it's john williams-esque in that the music is telling the story as much as anything else is telling the story exactly it's like i said they're bringing that tradition behind it and everything too and making his character his character Mm -hmm. so this is where we really get to hear like that raging boba fett theme and it's just like it's feral it's just especially because so that to this point they're the stormtroopers are retreating Mm -hmm. they are so terrified of boba fett that they are literally running away they're running back to the ship one guy barely makes it on as they fly away and then then we get this point that I remember you loving you loved this from the first oh, episode. Oh, I loved seeing Cobb Vance like, like use the targeting over. and then just lean forward. forward. Boop. <laughs> but just that that shot was perfect. You see the targeting computer work and everything, and you see him launch it, tilt forward as he does, and that slow hiss right up to the and he hits the other one and the other one it hits it and it comes back down and the most perfect line of dialogue i've heard so far it's like i was aiming for the other one <laughs> i loved it i yeah. laughed so hard oh. yes and that is i mean they, they got me with it yeah. yeah and that is a very like i've seen two different instances like in kind of western context where the same kind of, yeah same thing plays out uh firefly they do that um where i think mal Captain Mal Reynolds is aiming for one thing, hits the other thing, and it destroys both. Yeah. Um, and he says, like, oh, yeah, I was aiming for the other one. It's... And then there was some spaghetti western. I was trying to find it again, but I could not find what it was. It wasn't Butch Cassidy or anything, right? Mm, I'm not. I don't think it was. I do remember what, like, what you're talking about, but I I, I had seen some, someone relate to it, too, because it was something like he was aiming for the horse or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's what he's like. Yeah, he's like, it was great shots. I was aiming for the horse. Yeah. But yeah. I think that's exactly what it was. But... Uh, but... Unfortunately, we have no time to revel in that moment, do we? No, because my words from last week's episode have come back to haunt me. <laughs> <laughs> the Razor Crest. It's been so, through so much. That's this season. Oh, man. And now... We see this streak of red come through the air, uh, through the sky, basically, comes striking down towards the earth, and just, I mean decimate obliterate i yes. uh, pour one out for the razor crest pour one out the razor crest is gone it is i don't even know any more yes. critical words for it it's eviscerated it's yes. annihilated it's 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 de- it's deatomized i don't know man yeah like it's there's nothing left no except the, the beskar spear but the, still the shifter knob and the shifter knob and the shifter and knob the, and the beskar spear which but... do we think the shifter knob is beskar you never know at this <laughs> yeah. point I mean, well, it no. is weird that it survived in a sense. But yeah. there's also the point you got to remember that, like the I mean, that shifter knob has plot armor. Yes, <laughs> but the razor crest 
uh, like the actual Razor Crest logo survives too. And yeah. for all we know, that's just that regular true. Doris steel and everything. I think honestly, it's just the internal stuff of it. And like, maybe he just got lucky with it. You know, it was that it was just the right point where like it didn't fly away or anything like that. But all the same, maybe it is something important. <laughs> yeah. But so now we have to say goodbye to the <sighs> Amban phase pulse blaster rifle. Yeah. That sweet piece of equipment. That was great. I guess that would have been that might have created like a an issue in terms of like holiday special continuity. If yeah, Din uses that blaster that previously belonged to Boba Fett, Boba Fett in the holiday special. That's true, too. That would be weird. Well, we would have been even we more must cool. preserve the integrity of the holiday special. It would have been even cooler. Imagine if like Boba Fett showing back up to do the big fight, but he had the cycler rifle or he had like the, the pulse the rifle. Man, yeah. Hey. I took this back. Yeah. yeah. It's I'm, just mine now. I'm, I'm borrowing this. We <laughs> uh, also have to say goodbye to the, his, uh, Tamora Morrison's fellow New Zealander compatriot Q90. Yeah. I guess that's all obliterated too, huh? Yes. I was just trying to like... Frog it was, Lady's translator. I was going to yeah. say, I was trying to figure out through the whole thing. I'm like, what exactly got blown up? Like, is what all was important in there? And like, obviously. he had his whole armory. Everything, yeah. You see, like, way back in the first episode of... But, you know, yeah, everything was just hidden away. It was his perfect little ship. And he lost his little um, uh, carbonite chamber, too. Yes, that's sad. <laughs> that's sad. Lost uh, a lot of good nets. Yes, a lot of good rigging. <laughs> um, so but this isn't the only tragedy that we also deal no, with. No, now we get dark troopers. We get to we also get another glimpse uh, at Moff Gideon. Yes. Uh, and that's where he's like, Has the dark troopers been? engaged yeah and that's when you hear momentarily sir yes yeah start seeing him fly down so this is a good show good shot of the dark troopers themselves yeah. we talked about a little bit last week right absolutely so, so they're they're robots they are robots they're droids in other yeah. words and i mean they're very much in the theme of like the original star wars dark forces dark troopers mm. and i was curious if that was going to be the case or if they were going to somehow be like these force infused type of characters yeah. but no it appears that they are I mean, they're droids, but I mean, the conceit in Dark Forces is that they can also be worn as like an exoskeleton. That's kind of what I'm assuming, especially with everything going on. mm -hmm. I feel like they have to have some kind of uh, imagine Grievous, you know, because he had like the the living body inside exoskeleton. I feel like that's what they're going for. Mm -hmm. And I can I can definitely see some points where it looks like maybe this hinges out and. You know, just within kind of the the brief moments that we get to see them on screen, but they, yeah. I mean, they look like the dark troopers from Dark Forces. Well, that's already, really cool. That's already exciting. Yeah. So it should be exciting to see how it goes out. Uh, let's uh, let's kind of round this up because we see that he gets taken away, mm-hmm. and obviously we were already talking about him going through the wreckage, and all he finds is the best car spear, and he finds the shifter knob. Yeah. But so this is this is another great exchange where mm-hmm. he just yeah. says best car. And he goes, yes, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I feel like, I'll, I mean, and then just rewinding just a moment, like when uh, Boba is in Slave One and following the dark, dark troopers back yes. towards Gideon's ship. And like, this is no spice dream. Yeah. This is no spice dream. I've seen it with my own eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and They're also, back. Yeah. They're back. 
And uh, I also just enjoy his line about, I'll do a loose follow. Yes. <laughs> I well, don't know why, but it just was really funny to me. But he was very, he got, he got very military all yeah, of a sudden. His, he was yes. like, he was very, his mili- like, maybe he was just back, he was just getting back into his old rules of working with a crew because he uh-huh. used to not work with a crew. Right. You know, but now he's just remember like days with Bosk and stuff like that. Yes. Who knows? Uh, uh, but but then, yeah, the loose follow and also just seeing the original, uh, like, just set up from, uh, attack of the clones in the slave one still yeah. set up oh, the same. perfectly detailed oh, so beautiful good. beautiful yeah and then we get the moment where boba shares his chain code which, which was embedded in the armor yeah and people have decoded it that's yes. do you have it written down by chance i didn't write every part of it down but i mean it you know it talks it's, about father fett fett jango fett uh was Son. found yeah found by jaced master jaced yeah which is probably jaster mareel jaster mareel who was you know his mentor jango's mentor who in, gave him the armor right yes. yeah and that's from like a dark horse comic like back in the day mm-hmm. so. yeah it's very old school but they like in that that line where he even fought in the mandalorian civil wars it feeds into the jester morale story mm-hmm. so it's it all makes it real and thus with all that being said din makes it official and says the armor is yours, yours. Yeah. you are mandalorian you are mandalorian so now Django and boba are, are true mandalorians. mandalorians by canon mother mm, yeah <laughs> yes. it was super satisfying to hear that and, and very grateful and like uh, even just his nod is like i appreciate its return like yeah. again he has become more humble in his age yes and his decreased De- hair yeah definitely been been milded out <laughs> a little bit a little bit <laughs> by his time spent being digested by the sunlight <sighs> slowly digested for a thousand years yes uh, and then, I mean, there's this interesting sequence where, you know, and, and Din basically says, okay, like, you're free to go. Um, but Boba says that he and Fennec have talked and they did not uphold their end of the bargain. Until the child is safely the returned. Child was safely returned. We are in your debt. Yes. Hearing that, I was like, this is going to be the best finale ever. <laughs> because I was just thinking to myself, like, for the next two episodes, it's just going to be a romp with Boba Fett. Yeah. On Slave One. <laughs> on, on Slave, Slave One! one. <laughs> right. And so just seeing him get on to Slave One and take that back to Navarro and, like, meet up with Kara and everything. First of all, again, seeing the Slave One just fly in smoothly and land and everything. <laughs> yes. I love that ship. Yeah. I yeah. love it. Favorite favorite ship, favorite character. I don't even know what else to say. But so what now that we're on Navarro, one little interesting Easter egg. I don't know if you picked up on it. So when Kara is searching the like prisoner database or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, like pretty much all of the faces that it stops on are like the nameless, faceless bad guys from earlier episodes. Yeah, I think I I remember someone yeah, saying so all much. of the the thugs from Tatooine, like from uh, the passenger. Yes. So we have Gapgrin DeZito is the guy with the metal face. Yeah, like the little guy. Yeah. Beerin Redban is the human one okay. with the goggles. Yes. Um, the one that wears a helmet that might also be human is Avrak Kefundi. <laughs> and then the Nikto, like the alien one, yeah. is Maduelo D. Jesus. And then we also get two of the names from the Aqualish from the Siege episode. Yes. Now the Quarren. Yes. Wait, no. No, they are Aqualish. The Siege. <laughs> Dang it, you're right. Sorry. So it's Unga Toba and Borden Todds. That sounds bad. Yeah, because they're on Ponda Baba, right? Yeah, exactly. So that was that was satisfying. Cool. Uh, and did you ever, I mean, so then Kara talks about, like, these stripes mean something. Yes. Um, somebody put it together that, like, if you go back even to, um, like, Cobb Vanth, 
he has, has marshal stripes on yeah. his belt. Yeah, and so, so she has the same thing. Yes. Yeah, and so that it's a, it's like a new uh, galactic thing, which I appreciate. Yes. It's a good it's a good bit of continuity to keep up with the show. Yes. And anyway, we find out that for whatever reason, Din needs Mayfeld. Yes. Bill Burr's character from the Prison Break episode. He's coming back, baby. Yes. Oh. So that'll be satisfying. Know, th- th- that's a point of contention with a lot of people. There are some people who loved him. Yeah. Some people who absolutely hated that episode and that character. Yeah. I'm in between. I don't get it. I like Bill Burr. I thought he was interesting on the show. Yeah. Yeah. I'm it was anxious like, to see what he brings. Yeah. There was a little bit too much maybe Bill Burr in the character in a sense. Like, like I mean, there was no <laughs> difference between like, you know, Miggs Mayfeld and QB or like, yeah, know, or in the stand up. In the same sense where they let Horatio Sands be Horatio Sands. They let yeah. Bill Burr be Bill Burr. And at some points you're like, all right, that's enough. Yeah. Like, turn it down, please. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with that. Um, the way an Imperial could be this jolly. Yeah, basically. Ex-Imperial even. Even ex, yeah. Uh, And then our final scene of the episode. We see... uh, This is, to me, the tragedy. I missed the Razor Crest already, but this is the tragedy. So uh, we see uh, Gideon walk into the holding cell where they have baby Grogu. Yes. And baby Grogu is like essentially throttling these two stormtroopers, like force gripping them. Um, Even force choking them. Force choking. There's definitely some force choking, and they're getting the full ragdoll treatment. Yes, they're getting thrown around, smacked into each other, and then like it always happens, he gets too tired. So then he just that little heavy breathing that he does is so oh, (laughs) it melts so sad. It just yeah. Well, I'm the tired. Well, have a nap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Gideon's treatment of the child was like just hilarious to me. Like, oh, you're getting sleepy. Oh, so sleepy. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever uh, seen one of these? And he just whips it out. Like, yeah. whips out his, like, the dark saber. Is like, ah, ah, ah. Yeah, you're not ready for this yet. <laughs> like, it's just like such a bully <sighs> tactic on a little baby. But just the. Right, but just the fact of the matter is we end the episode with him being like, you're not quite ready for this. He walks out and you see the baby Grogu has little cufflinks yes, on his little shackles, little shackles. shackles. And that's that's a moment where like the stormtroopers have to ask, like, wait a minute. Do we have baby shackles? Yeah. Are we the, Are bad, we the guys? bad guys? Like what? <laughs> oh, my God. That was just so cute. That was, I mean, it was like bad. Oh, it was the cute and the, heartbreaking. The yeah. cutest shackles you ever did see. So, yes. <laughs> But uh, to anyone who's wondering what the shackles are supposed to do, I think. Uh, an explanation has been made that the shackles themselves have ray shields, mm-hmm. much like what Obi Wan was being held with on in Episode Two, uh, Attack of the Clones. Like you know, that way he can't use his hands, he can't use the Force, blah blah blah, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yes, I don't know, just a little little extra sidebar, and that's how we, the episode ends is with him in his little prison. Yes, poor and guy. We know that Boba and uh, uh, Fennec are going to be joining Din on the adventure not too long from now, and. I'm just excited to see what the next two episodes bring. Yes, personally. we are we are into the end game now. Very me. much, especially because last season the the last two episodes were, were basically yeah, a two part finale. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how these two episodes uh, kind of play out. So yeah, but uh, overall, again, I think this was great. Yeah, uh, I had I mean, a great I, time with this one. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. I mean, I, you know, I think I I mean I would still rate Jedi the Jedi yeah slightly higher, but this was like. I can't believe, you know, they went. Well, one thing I will say, you talked about how your prediction about the Razor Crest did not work. Oh. I was right. Well, I said in 
in the Jedi after the Jedi that Boba Fett would come back in the next episode. You did say that, yep. and like <laughs> I, I, I did was like I was like, dang, he's good. And I was like, this is definitely going to be a Boba centric episode. Yeah. You called it, so I was satisfied with myself for that. <laughs> so that, but still, just I, I, I am eating my words about the whole thing now. Just like re-listening to it and just hearing myself say that, I was like. I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> it probably would have been fine, but Robert Rodriguez heard this. Should not have said that. And now he blew it up. Yes. So. Yeah. So I, I would say it's still, I mean, this is probably my second favorite of the season. And like, you know, it might be just behind the, the very top episodes from season one. Same. Well, with that, I think it's a good time, a good way to wrap it up and everything. Uh, did everyone else enjoy this episode? I know I did. I know I think everyone else here did. And. We're interested to hear what everybody else has to say about this. If you have any questions or concerns or you want us to hear talk more about this episode, please don't hesitate to get at us uh, at our email at greetershotfirstpodcast at or no, greetershotfirstpod at gmail, all one word. Yes. Um, or you can also check us out at our Instagram at greetershotfirstpodcast, all one word, at Twitter at uh, firstgreeto. Yes. Uh, and uh, also... On our Facebook page, we're not updating that nearly as much as we should, but it's still up there. Check us out on there, as well as we we do have a new announcement too. Yeah, uh, as as recently as last week, we uh, just jumped on to Spotify. Yep. So uh, if you guys haven't been able to find us anywhere, uh, you can now search us on Spotify. Uh, just search Greta Shot First. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greta Shot First or Greta Shot First Podcast. Just what would Greta you Shot First. Okay, and that should, should pop right up. up yeah. And we have our whole backlog there. We have all season one mm-hmm. available too, so you can go back and catch up a little bit if you have to. Absolutely. And then uh, with uh, everything else, uh, you can also check us out at our at Reggie'sHousePodcast.com as well as Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you can find your podcasts. And I think with that, there's nothing else to say, but I had a great time. Brian, did you have a good time? I had a wonderful time. Andrew, you have a good time? Boring conversation anyway. I bet it was.